Howdy, folks. I'm fixing to tell y'all about Texas, nicknamed the Lone Star State. I'm particularly fond of these. I pulled them out of a place on Midgard called Texas. Don't mess with Texas. That's the message. I'm Walker. And I'm Texas Ranger. I mean, anything for Salinas. Welcome to this week's episode of Texas Sling for Crazy. This week, we're going to be discussing the cult murder of Mark Kilroy. Before I get started with this week's episode, a bit of a content warning. As I said at the start, we're going to be discussing the cult murder of Mark Kilroy. This episode is gruesome, and honestly, it took a lot out of me this week. I have nothing but respect for the Kilroy family. I do want to advise that from the research I've done, many of the books from the time period try to sensationalize the murder with some pretty intense and fake claims about the beliefs of Santeria. At the time these murders occurred, it was during the era known as the Satanic Panic in the United States. I want to emphasize that our cult in the story had beliefs that appeared to stem from multiple combinations of practices, as well as the influence of available media at the time. As such, I encourage you to remember that our murderers do not represent the belief of all Santeros, and Santeria is not the same thing as Satanism at all. Spring break 1989 was supposed to be an amazing time for Mark Kilroy to take a break from his busy college schedule. He was working on an extremely difficult pre-med major at the University of Texas in Austin. He and three friends from high school headed down to South Padre Island in March for what should have been beaches, beers, and watching tan line competitions. For those not in Texas, South Padre is extremely popular during spring break and it's about 40 minutes from Brownsville, Texas, which borders Mexico. In the late 80s and early 90s, American citizens didn't need a passport to cross the International Bridge from Brownsville into Mexico, so it was a huge tourist destination. Designed to give young American tourists a taste of the wildlife, the Matamoros economy thrived on American youth coming across the border on foot to drink heavily at local bars, eat at restaurants, and have just generally a good time. For gang members, though, the most profitable Americans were gringos who were there for sex and drugs. Mark Kilroy wasn't there for the shadier purposes, but he was hanging out with his friends and having a few beers and fun at the time. The first night they went down was a complete blast. After recovering back at their hotel in South Padre, the four men returned the next night to Matamoros. While two of the group weren't exactly feeling too hot, they all knew that that's where the girls would be, so they decided to go anyway. For Mark Kilroy, this would unfortunately be a mistake that ended his life. Their group had been drinking, but so had the majority of the young people hanging out in Mexico. At the end of the night, the guys decided that they'd had enough and it was time to go back to sleep. The group ended up separated from each other with Mark and Bill lagging behind. They figured they'd all just meet up at the border, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. Bill needed to use the restroom. Mark hung back and his friend said that a man approached him as he like walked off to go to the bathroom. Now done with his bathroom break, Mark's friend Bill came out of the the area to find that Mark was just gone, completely gone. There were tons of people and no one seemed to have seen where Mark went and his description seemed pretty similar to that of a lot of guys out there. His friends searched for him until late before giving up and driving back to South Padre to see if maybe he'd caught a ride home with someone else, maybe the beautiful girl he'd been talking to all night. Mark was not back at the hotel. He wasn't back the next morning. They returned to Mexico and reported him missing at the embassy and involved the local police. At first, the local police really didn't seem to take it all that seriously 
or they were just trying to avoid a big problem because Matamoros runs on tourist dollars. The police figured he'd probably just passed out somewhere and would find his way back to the group eventually. Mark's parents knew better. They launched into action working to organize searches and efforts to find their son. Mark's uncle was a U.S. customs agent. That helped them with a lot of back channels. Friends and volunteers worked to share the word. To a later generation, we are very familiar with names like Natalie Holloway and Brittany Drexel, both who went missing on vacation. But in the 1980s in the U.S., this wasn't really all that common. True, the drug trade had kicked up and rival gangs were killing each other along the borders while trying to get their product into Texas. But it was thought that border crossings for Americans was a rite of passage. What may have initially been a sad and random killing became something way creepier, though. Adolfo Costanzo had made a very spooky name for himself in Mexico City and Matamoros. He was born in Cuba, but he and his family had grown up near Miami, where he became very familiar with the tribal traditions of Santeria. He also spent some time in Puerto Rico as well. They also say that he learned some Payo Mayombe as well. For those who don't read about this stuff in depth for the fun of it, I kind of do. Um, Santeria is a religion based on African tribal practices, and it's very popular in Afro-Caribbean areas. While the religion does feature small animal sacrifice, traditionally it's very peaceful and focuses on positive energy. Palo Mayombe is rumored to be a bit more out for vengeance sometimes, but again, we're not talking a murderous religion. Constanzo took a combination of occult traditions, fringe religions, and Hollywood movies to create a form of worship all on his own. He'd made a business out of spiritual cures, performing rituals for the wealthy and powerful of Mexico City. Um, even police and famous singers and stuff would come to him. People swore by him and his techniques to gain money and fame. He met a beautiful college student named Sarah Aldred, and the two began a relationship. The romantic relationship part didn't last very long, as the bisexual Constanzo advised that he was really more interested in his male lovers, but Sarah continued her partnership with him as a type of priestess for his causes. She had good reason to stick close by to him because he kept her pockets full of cash, and as a college student who made very little money on her own, she was all about that life. After their breakup, Sarah began dating a local narco and the two became close. Narco is a slang term for someone who's trafficking drugs, just in case you've never heard that before. With rival gangs and high risk in trafficking drugs in the, to the U.S., the gang was open to any support they could get. So Sarah introduced her old beau to her new one. Constanzo made a strange deal, promising that he could make the gang a lot more money, make them invincible to local police, and help them deflect bullets. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? In short, he could take the gang to the next level, provided that they were willing to play with a little dark magic. He became known to the group as El Padrino, the Godfather. While it's doubtful that an actual Aztec god came down to bless the narcos, things got really creepy. That's likely due to Costanzo's leadership. He was very, he used fear, but he also made them a lot of money. He trained one of the younger members in his leadership and made him a right hand, and it said he was even preparing for him to start leading the future sacrifices. But here's where it's going to get really gross, so I don't blame you if you turn off this episode or need to step away. Sacrifices were going to be needed to make sure that the good luck and protection for the group continued. These were jealous, hungry gods, after all. They needed to be fed and worshipped. 
in a small shed at the Santa Elena farm, the same farm that they used to hide marijuana, Constanzo set up a gruesome altar. It started small. His worshippers would bring him goats and small chickens to sacrifice. The innards would be dumped into pots to make a type of organ and offal soup for the gods. Other strange items would be put in, such as knives for protection and herbs. The soup was a type of offering, and it left a really gross, like, fatty ring in these iron pots. So true crime writers go back and forth on this point, but it's said that the film The Believers, featuring an extremely young Martin Sheen, became a kind of cult training film for the group. In the movie, Sheen has to break up a cult organization who are kidnapping and killing children as sacrifices to make their lives better so that they can make more money and all that kind of stuff. So it's like rich white people. It's really weird. So with that movie, I decided I was going to watch it and see what the big deal was about it. And honestly, I'm not sure why they thought that that was a good idea for like a training film or to encourage people in belief, because pretty much the movie the whole time is about how cults are not a good place to be. So practitioners of Centuria and Payo Mayombe are going to roll their eyes at Constanzo's claims because he honestly picked and chose what he thought would be the most frightening and continued to use that so he could scare the group, but also keep them in his, you know, in his grasp. He was incredibly charismatic, and his threats helped him keep a group close to him who followed him blindly. Like any cult, his followers believed, and if they didn't, in this particular case, they usually ended up dead from a bullet. Once, when a gang member refused to follow an immediate order by Costanzo, he killed the man on the spot. The cult members would bring local people in for sacrifices, and it was not uncommon for them to pick up a farmer's kid and kill them. At one time, a boy was brought in with a bag over his head. After they get decapitated him, it was discovered that he was a cousin of one of the cult members, and still that didn't stop things. So one night, after a particularly good run trafficking drugs into the U.S., Constanzo gave a very specific direction for his next sacrifice. He wanted a gringo from the United States, particularly one from the colleges who were visiting for spring break. He felt an intelligent brain would help their connection with the spirits. And so, after multiple attempts in one night, Bart Kilroy happened to be in their path. Desperate and frustrated with what might happen if they came back empty-handed, members of the gang reported later that they first tried to convince Mark to get into the car, but when he didn't fall for it, they forced him in a gunpoint. Mark's body was found buried on the farm. The back of his head was badly damaged from where his brain had been removed, likely by a machete. The only small blessing is that it appears his spinal column had been severed, and he likely would have died quickly and with very little pain. A piece of wire was threaded into his spinal column, so that when his body had decomposed enough, the narcos could easily pull out the spinal cord and wear it as jewelry as a type of protection. His legs had been severed at the knees for easy burial. As awful as the sight of his body was, there were many more, and some were worse. Some victims showed sign of having been burned alive. Many had brain trauma or severed heads, and some appeared to have had their hearts torn out while still alive. Fifteen male bodies were found and taken to local funeral homes so families could try and identify their loved ones. Three of those men were never identified because they were just so badly decomposed. Mexican police officials brought out the pots and other items from the shack and spread holy water through the shack itself. This confused American officers who were very concerned about, you know, contamination of the scene. A cuarandero would actually sprinkle the floor with salt 
and the shack was burned with gasoline in an attempt to drive Constanzo insane. Agents thought that they, as they threw salt into the air that it would drive away the evil spirits and keep them from landing with them. A wooden cross was placed on the site. When Costanzo saw the footage on the nightly news of his shack being burned, which is his altar, he was said to have screamed and fired a gun into the TV. After the farm was raided, many of the members who were arrested assumed they'd be out of jail with no problem. After all, they made sacrifices, and these sacrifices would protect them, and no jail could hold them. Only the jails did hold, and soon the members were talking. Constanzo had gone on the road, taking two of his lovers and Sarah Alderet. They traveled to various residences Constanzo had purchased over the years, and they ended up getting caught mostly because of their grocery shopping habits. They'd go to the store, and rather than paying the young children who hung around to carry all the groceries back to the apartment at once, they made multiple trips. Sarah was spotted. Plainclothes officers found what appeared to be an abandoned vehicle and an apartment in Mexico City, and as they got out to investigate, they were suddenly peppered with bullets. The truth is, if Constanzo hadn't panicked and started shooting at the officers, he might not have been caught. The officers took cover and called for backup, and meanwhile, Costanzo started throwing money out of the window, and bystanders ran towards it, but fled when they started to be shot at as well. After an hour, Sarah Aldrette ran out of the barricaded building with another cult member. She swore that Constanzo had taken his own life. He and one of his lovers were dead in his closet. Aldrette claimed that she had been held prisoner against her will and was terrified for her life. Evidence proved that that probably wasn't true. Kilroy's death was tragic, but it was also the catalyst that brought down the cult. There was a movie made about it in about 2016 that is very, very loosely based. And when I say loosely based, I mean the only things that they kept were kidnapping and a cult. Um, that movie is called Borderland. Kilroy's death was awful. Um, the foundation that his parents started to try and make some sort of good out of this awful evil is called the Mark Kilroy Foundation and is still very active today. They work to provide anti-drug scholarships, at-risk youth intervention, and summer programs. They have advised that they are at peace knowing their son is with God and have done so much good to try and turn this evil act into something positive. Unfortunately, Mark's mother did pass away in, I believe, 2014. In honor of Mark Kilroy, we have made a small donation to the foundation, and I'll also go ahead and include the link. So if you want to do the same, you can, and that's the markkilroyfoundation.org. Thanks so much for listening. I know this episode is probably the longest one we've ever done. Um, we are all over social media. We are on Twitter at SlangTX. We are on Instagram at TXSlangForCrazy, Facebook, Texas Sling for Crazy. You can also go directly to our website, which is TXSlingForCrazy.com. And the book, yay, is finally in print or available on Kindle. It is Texas Sling for Crazy by me, Victoria Irwin. Last name is I-R-W-I-N. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. And hopefully we'll have something a little bit more uplifting next week. <laughs>